What happened to all of the COVID money that went to schools over the last year and a half? And why were they all still closed for the majority of it? And what was it like inside an actual school? We have a great guest coming up for you, uh, actual teacher in a California school. Going to be super interesting. Great episode up ahead for you. This is The Joe Bob Show. Thanks for tuning in. It starts right now. Three, two, one. Here we go. from a dingy bunker completely cut off from the outside world except for you fine folks this is the joe bob show my name is joe bob uh we got a fun one for you today uh covid obviously was a huge factor in everybody's lives um but realistically there's a lot of different things that went on and mostly revolved around schools uh when schools were open parents could send their kids to schools uh they could go to work they could do a lot of stuff that you can't do if your kids are at home all the time. So we want to talk about what happened over the last year regarding COVID and schools, school closures, money being spent, all of that stuff. It's going to be an interesting one. Stick around if you can. But before we get into it, I want to talk about Capitalist Propaganda, our sponsor for the day. Capitalist Propaganda, for, for some reason, we have to promote capitalism. It's It's pretty clear and obvious to... Anyone with two brain cells to rub together, that capitalism is the best way to govern a society. However, it's under attack constantly, so we have to promote it. And doing so, we have Capitalist Propaganda, which is our favorite brand. It's the best place where you can get hilarious t-shirts to tell your socialist friends that their ideas totally suck. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Love capitalism because obviously everything is uh, everything you do revolves around capitalism and is because of capitalism. This one's probably my favorite. Capitalism. Go ahead. Use your iPhone to tweet about how much you hate me. A um, lot of cool designs on the Capitalist Propaganda website. www.capitalistpropaganda.us. Tell your friends that their socialist ideas totally suck with capitalist propaganda. So, without further ado, again, like we were talking about. COVID and schools, probably the biggest issue for most people, especially parents, oh, especially kids, but parents in particular uh, have been outraged over it. A um, lot of different approaches were taken. Some states never went back to school and still haven't. They're planning on doing it in the fall, but still haven't opened their doors since spring of 2020. And other schools were open in the fall of 2020. So in August, September, they were wide open, full-time, five days a week. You know, obviously there was different regulations that went involved, but what happened? Did, did those schools that opened, were you stepping over bodies everywhere you went, or was everything relatively fine? So with that, there's a lot of different components that went into that. Um, we do have a really interesting guest for us today. This guy, I, I, I wanted to talk to him about politics for a long time, but here's the thing. He's a teacher. And I don't know if you know anything about teachers unions, especially the teachers union in California, which is the biggest political spender in the country. But teachers unions tend to have a particular worldview. So I texted him uh, asking, hey, would you come on? Uh, would you come on the show? Uh, Given that, you know, your profession and I don't want to get you in any sort of trouble talking about what you talk about. And the text back to me was, 
Tenure is a beautiful thing. So without further ado, I should have asked him before. I think he's also a football coach, but also a, a history government teacher uh, in a local high school somewhere in Southern California. This is my good friend, Mike Wubker. Mike, how you doing? How's it going, Joe Bob? I'm glad to be here. <laughs> um, so I, I guess to start things off, where are we right now in terms of schools in California? Are we are we set to open in the fall? I, I know some schools are going back. My mom's a second grade teacher. She's going back August like 6th, like crazy early. I don't remember ever going back that early, but that's, yeah, that's the case. Is it, what's it look like right now at this moment? So uh, by law, California students have to uh, return to school. Um, so we will be fully in school. Uh, there is a mandate in order. What do you mean by students, law? Uh, I believe that the governor uh, attached money or or the funds, the COVID oh. funds, to having students return to school. So they will return to school. Uh, there was a change in how law was written during COVID to where students could still be technically a part of a campus while online. Um, that's gotcha. going to go away as students uh, are forced, not forced, but. As, as a part of their education, they will return to school. We do have a mask mandate. So whether you're vaccinated or not, you do have to wear a mask on campus. Um, mm -hmm. But we are going to be back to a, as normal of a school as we have seen since the COVID lockdowns. Um, are you guys talking about distancing, doing classes outside? I know there's masks or, or what does that look like? I have not heard any conversation about distancing. Uh, when we return to school, we returned to school at my district for about a month um, at the end of last oh, school Oh, you did? Year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so as we returned, students could decide whether or not they were going to go to school. So we had this sort of awkward hybrid method of, of education. Um, but those who did return to school last month had social distance guidelines and masking requirements. Uh, what mm -hmm. we found to be a problem, surprisingly, uh, if you put a 15 year old boy in a quad trying to get him to social distance from his friends, is, <laughs> is, it's just not gonna happen, right? And so, it's pretty impossible. So, so though, though our administration did the best they could, uh, and I, I have a great administration, um, though they did the best they could, we, we, we have seen that social distancing is a problem on campuses, mm -hmm. but I am excited to have students back. Um, this time last year, so a year ago, July, I'm not sure where the schools were at in terms of what they were thinking of, whether they were gonna go back or not go back, but at this time, a year ago, did you have any thought that you might be completely out of school for the entire year in California? And now, some, there's a, just, just before you answer that, there are some people out there uh, who don't live in California, who's who's listening to this going, what are you talking about? Our schools have been open since September of 2020. Uh, a lot of different states open completely back up. So more specifically to California, yeah, did you have any idea that you were going to miss an entire year of in-the-class schooling, essentially? Uh, so the, the average teacher who was not aware of sort of the politics connected behind um, education uh, did not expect the whole school year. Um, I think that there were there were a lot of signs with sort of funds being connected to COVID uh, that we would stay uh, in the virtual platform for a long period of time. Uh, but the average teacher had no clue. And I think um, as the school year extended, there were more more teachers who 
who silently uh, disagreed with the policies put in place, uh, which extended our virtual experience. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Before we get into all of the things that went on last year, because um, a lot of this has to do with the unions, and a lot of it has to do with the big, powerful unions. Uh, America's Teachers Federation is the, I believe, the biggest union in the country. But um, we actually have a clip from the president of the teachers union in Los Angeles that I just want you to listen to really quick. Officials doing what is hard but necessary to save lives, it falls to us. Once again, educators are being asked to make up for those leadership failings, including a failure to properly fund and support our schools and our most vulnerable students and communities. So you had just talked about money a little bit. Now that is the president of the Los Angeles Teachers Union talking about the fact that they need more money. That clip was from around late March um, we just talked about before we went on the air. At that point, schools had gotten $66 billion from the federal government just in 2020 alone. And this president of the teachers union chapter is talking about needing more money. Um, what COVID related was, was tied to the more money component for your school or your school district or even other teachers around? Like, how did you, how did that affect what you were doing on campus, online, all of that sort of stuff. So on campus, we have had, um, from what I have seen, I don't have money or data on hand, but from what I have seen, we have had uh, numerous renovations to our our air conditioning, to our uh, our, our weight room has, has new lights in it that, that uh, attack viruses. Um, and so we have seen funding being poured out. Uh, the, the sort of call of the union, even my union, for more funding to me seems a bit um, convenient because they never put a price tag on it, right? So what is the dollar amount that gets you to return to school if it truly is a dollar amount? That's a good and, point. And, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what number? Is it a trillion dollars? I don't know. That's I a mean, great point. If we're honest, it's probably enough to float our pension for another decade, but but nobody's going to say that. <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's the only thing that really matters because this is a completely other topic, but California public employee unions pensions is screwed. I, maybe we'll get into that in a little bit of a, a little bit, but sorry, I completely cut you off. What were you saying? Uh, the, the reality is, is that there is no dollar sign, right? So if this is true that COVID is a is a, a deadly virus that if kids return to school will wipe out our population. Let's assume that is true. Then why would there be a dollar amount which would justify a return to school, right? They, they can't they can't point that out, right? So either the virus is yeah. not as scary as you say it is, or you are just holding out for money, or well, and you're holding out for money, or the virus is extremely scary and there's no dollar amount that could ever return to school. So when you connect return to school to dollar amounts, what you're saying is that the virus is not as fearful or, or as worrisome as you say it is uh, every day. So uh, you said something interesting. Uh, they're either hold, they're probably holding out for more money. So $66 billion was allocated by the federal government up until that point, or just in 2020 alone. When this video was recorded, only about 10% of that money was spent. Everything else was still in the process of being spent. They hadn't even spent all the money, and yet 
they were still asking for more money. So I think that answers your question. It, it clearly was a holdout for more money. Uh, and then leading into it, the question that I have is at what expense? What did you see from a student standpoint throughout the school year, whether it's interacting with students in your classroom, other teachers' stories about students? Uh, because going completely online or at home wasn't uh, side effect free. Uh, obviously, kids need to be in a place with other kids to interact socially. How did you... I don't know, what did that look like to you from a teacher standpoint and how students' behavior might have changed or how they interacted with each other or their overall emotional state? So, Joe Bob, in life, we don't make choices. We make trade-offs. I tell my students that all the time. And so the trade-off that we've made for uh, staying home and virtual learning has been just disastrous. I think, um, personally, I know of students that I've coached or taught that are currently in jail for activities that they uh, interacted in when they should have been in school online. And although this doesn't guarantee that they would yeah. not have committed crime, what, what we do see is that kids were unsupervised. The, the, in the low-income community that I work in and that I grew up in and that I'm passionate about, uh, mm -hmm. my students didn't have the opportunity to have mom and dad at home while they were online learning and so they really didn't have guidance so whereas school was an escape for them um school just became a, nu a nuisance to them and we've seen that in the amount of kids logging in every day we've seen that in or we will see that in test scores when they return um the data is just abysmal for learning yeah. and, and outcomes for especially low-income students so essentially to boil it down you had the teachers' unions holding out for more money at the expense of kids, really. And you're in high school, which is which is fortunate. But it, the elementary school, it, it, being around other kids in a social environment is huge. And the reason why it's so maddening now, it seems, and you can give me your thoughts, is that other states were completely open. Private schools... All of my friends that could afford private school for their kids just did that. And they were in school since September, five days a week, obviously, you know, with certain restrictions. But you're putting low-income kids at a disadvantage because, what, money. It's what it seems like. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of what I'm getting. I mean, it, it would seem that way, right? And I, I think... Um... To, to, to be honest and open, I don't think I'm not anti having guidelines for returning. To totally. Yeah, if, yeah, if, of it, course. if it allows every parent and student to feel safe, um, wear a mask. I personally sure. have yeah. studied. I, I personally studied the mRNA vaccine. I got it. I thought, hey, if I can return to school because of this, so be it. Right. I, mm -hmm. I'm OK with doing any reasonable, um, reasonable precaution mm -hmm. in order to keep kids safe. That being said, kids are not safe in online school. We are not we are not investing in the future of, of America by allowing our kids to sit on a computer and not be not be watched, not be not be held accountable for the work they are doing. Um, and and that is what education is about. I'm here to invest in the 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 future of America, and I do not do so from my home on a computer where I cannot hold students accountable. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's a great point. Um. 
I want to play another clip from that same union uh, boss in L.A. County. Uh, you know, apparently, well, you'll just have to listen and we can talk about it afterwards. The impacts of this deadly pandemic. <coughs> Some voices are being allowed to speak louder than others. We have to call out the privilege behind the largely white, wealthy parents driving the push for a rushed return. <laughs> so essentially what you just said there is if you were pushing at any point during the fall of 2020 or the spring of 2021 for schools to reopen, you're a racist. <laughs> That's what it boiled down to. And, and like we were talking about, the idea was holding out for more money. And it seemed like the unions, uh, the bigger unions, pulled every stop out, every trick in the book they could to continue to keep kids at home and not do anything about it. Uh, what I want to know is, do you think, and I'm not asking you to trash your own union, um, but is there a limit at which, you know, you got to say, ah, that's a little bit too far? Because we're, we're now talking about if you're asking for schools to be open, the largely white population is an outsized voice. What, what, like, what is that? To me, that's a bound too far. What are, what are your thoughts? I'm interested in all the wealthy students that are in LAUSD because from what I see, it's mostly the wealthy that, that leave LAUSD for their failing schools and go uh, to private schools. So mm -hmm. I, I'm interested in seeing how many wealthy students are actually in <laughs> LAUSD. Um, but secondly, uh, what, what this lady misunderstands is that race doesn't define your desire for great education, right? Like I, I serve a, 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 a community that doesn't look like me, but I grew up in. And in that community, those kids are desperate to be successful and to be educated. And going online did, did not allow them to be successful. And it did not teach them anything. And so I would hate to connect a desire to learn in person to a race. To me, that seems a little more racist than than, than any other conversation that, that I've had today, right? That, that I'm going to say, hey, because you want your kids to return to school, you must be X race. Uh, I, yeah. I don't like telling people that their opinions are connected uh, to their skin color. Yeah, yeah. Um, geez. <laughs> Which, so we're bringing up the whole race thing and I don't want to get too into this. We actually have a great guest coming on next week to talk more specifically about CRT. Uh, do you have any thoughts that you want to share? Anything that you're seeing in your school or your district um, that's a little bit troubling? And you might not because there are a lot of other teachers I have that I've talked to that are like, yeah, we're not really doing much. But obviously you hear the horror stories from around the country of critical race theory and different racial equity nonsense um, going on throughout public education. Um, anything you're thinking of or wanting to share? And you can say, no, I don't really want to talk about that at all if you want to. So personally in my district, I haven't had any pressure to teach gotcha. um, in any, any certain way. I can't say that I will never uh, teach mm -hmm. critical race theory just as a student of government and of social sciences. I, I, I do not affirm the ideas of, of uh, Robin DiAngelo and Eva Rex Kendi. Um, oh, and Henry think, Rogers? FYI, that's his real name. Is, Did you know that? that <laughs> Eva Kendi? No. Like Hank Mr. Rogers? Rogers? Oh, it's a beautiful day in that neighborhood. So, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, sorry, I just, continue. I, I I genuinely think that as a as a member of uh, the public school system, my job is to create citizens which both understand the faults of their nation and understand the beauty of it as well. Right. So mm -hmm. so oppression is a is a norm in in the human history. Right. So we have seen slavery as a norm in the human history. The exceptional part of our history is that we as a as a Western society have overcome the idea that I get to oppress somebody else, that I get to enslave somebody else because of their skin color or because they are in a tribe different than mine. And I think mm -hmm. that we see that throughout the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And although they were not fulfilled um, on the day they were signed, they led to such exceptional action. And so I would hope, and, and as of now, I have not had pressure. I would hope that I get to continue to teach that way in uh, my classrooms. Yeah. Um, when we talked about this on the, the Daily Caller Quality Control, um, my thing was, you know, I, a brown kid, and I grew up with a weird hillbilly name. Um, but I was never told that that made me any different. And I don't really want to be in a position where my probable brown kids or any kid of a, you know, different ethnicity is taught that, hey, you know, you're different because of your race. Um, and, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, you're a cisgender white male, Mike, so I don't know if you know that that's a bad thing. But um, <clears throat> I imagine you can relate also because you have your own um, issues. If, if you want to talk about that at all uh, and kind of how, how that just manifests itself in terms of um, be, whether or not you wanted to be treated differently or, or what. Sure. So I um I have cerebral palsy. I, I mm -hmm. slur a little bit in my voice. So this interview itself was even a little bit of pressure on me. Um, ah, and so great. I uh, I um I grew up obviously with a disability that for most people is very debilitating. Uh, if we want to look at um, distribution of wealth based on uh, qualities that people cannot control, the disabled com community obviously mm -hmm. is not equally represented in the distribution of wealth and the education and you name it based on uh, things we cannot control, right? So I could have used that as an oppressive sort of um, badge of honor, I guess you could say, right? So mm -hmm. my intersectional badge of honor. Um, <laughs> I, and I mean, and, and I experienced this in the real world. So I, I know specifically in seventh grade and 12th grade where teachers either mocked me or tried to help me and in doing so, uh, disclosed my disability to the whole classroom. So I, I was mocked in class for my disability as a child. Um, probably the most influential um, driver in me joining education was, was that actual moment because I was brought into the principal's office where I explained what happened. And the uh, powerful man that he was looked me in the eyes and said, that doesn't get to define you, right? Mm -hmm. so, so what happened today, you can either use as a crutch your whole life or you can use to make yourself better. And now I get yeah. to do the same thing um, that I sort of was afraid of uh, at that time. I get to be a teacher, right? I get to invest in kids who have obstacles in their life. And yeah. I think wow. that, that teaching a student that because of some quality that they cannot control in their life, they can <laughs> never become in our nation. Um, what that does is that, that that tells a student not to try. Because if the only way for me to overcome this system is to either overthrow it 
or be, just be angry and be controlled by it, then why would I try? Because I yeah. am now sitting in the system uh, and I'm stuck. And I refuse to tell my kids they're stuck until I get to invest in students every day and allow them to become uh, powerful men and women because I care enough about them to not let where they start define where they finish. Woo-wee! Mr. Mike Wubker dropping some truth bombs on uh, on the whole identity problem that we have in schools of uh, telling kids that they're not able to do something because of immutable characteristics. I love it, man. That was, that, that was great. Um, I know we didn't really set off on that topic, but I'm glad we kind of dove into it at least just a little bit. Um, so before we wrap up, any final thoughts on you? I know we, we covered you know, COVID being a, a problem with schools. What, what do you like, what do you think the school year this year is going to be like? Um, any, any last thoughts that you can kind of think of that you want to maybe share with us? Personally, as a conservative educator, although I live, I, I work on a great campus where I am valued and I am, mm-hmm. uh, I'm invested in every day and I appreciate my coworkers and colleagues. There's always a fear that I say the wrong thing that, that would not be wrong anywhere else. And I'm canceled. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm uh, reputed and attacked. And although I have um, these uh, granted sort of acceptable conduct by my union, you never know if your union is going to actually back you as a conservative. Um, that being said, I, I would I would never pick another job. I get to invest in students every day and I get to see them overcome barriers. And so I, I would encourage conservative uh, parents and teachers uh, to continue the good fight uh, to remember mm-hmm. that I only have your students for 55 minutes a day. You have your students for 16 hours a day. So it Dang. is up to you to enforce uh, the morals and the attributes that you want to see in your student. Although I give them a resource, it is up to you as a parent uh, to invest in them. And I would encourage you to, to do so. Uh, even if you don't think you have the capability to, you investing in their future will will have greater dividends than any uh, public sector teacher who sees your kids for 55 minutes a day. Wow. Uh, you're full of a lot of these, uh, very short sound bitey, awesome clips, Mike. Yeah, this is, this has been, uh, this has been great. Um, well, Mike Wobker, thanks so much for, for coming on and sharing your insight as a teacher in California of all places. Um, you know, we've heard sometimes it can be difficult and COVID made it even more difficult. Uh, but Godspeed. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, keep doing Keep doing the good work, and uh, why don't you go ahead and sit in the waiting room for a little bit. We'll, we'll chat right a bit after. But thank you, Mike Wopker, for uh, for joining us today. Um, this is really interesting. Uh, this is not kind of a – generally we're doing like normal day-to-day news, but thought it would be really interesting to talk to an actual teacher who's had to deal with the whole COVID situation, who's had to deal with um, a lot of the diversity stuff going on uh, and is preparing and gearing up for this next school year, which – Quite honestly, we don't really know what it's going to be. You know, Los Angeles County instituted a mask mandate uh, last week, which who knows where this thing goes. Um, but good to see teachers that are, are putting their best effort into kids um, and aren't just spouting off nonsense that's being thrown down their throats. Um, 
Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Joe Bob Show brought to you by CapitalistPropaganda.us. Get your favorite capitalist propaganda gear at CapitalistPropaganda.us. Tell your friends their socialist ideas totally suck. And also make sure to check me out on Quality Control, sorry, on Daily Caller with my show Quality Control. It airs weekly. We've covered all these really hot topics, immigration, CRT, COVID in schools, uh, election voter suppression hoax that's not actually happening, but they're calling it voter suppression. And today we did an interesting one about the White House's involvement with Facebook that should be up in the next couple of days. But check it out. Quality control on Daily Caller. Thanks again for tuning in today to The Joe Bob Show. We will see you next time. <laughs>